Welcome to the Two Minute Wake Up Podcast. This is a bonus episode, so please note the full length nature of it. My name is John, and I hope that our time together helps you wake up to who you were created to be. Why are you here? It's a legitimate question. I want you to think about why you woke up this morning and thought, I'm going to drive, I'm going to go and sit, I'm going to sing some songs, hear a guy talk, probably for too long. I'm going to go out and have some coffee. You can get better coffee elsewhere. No, you can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you can find more comfortable seats elsewhere. I guarantee you can find better preachers elsewhere. So why are you here? Why are you here? I can think of a couple of reasons. Maybe you're here because there's a longing in you, a desire. You're seeking, you're searching for something that you have not found. In the words of theologian Bono, you still haven't found what you're looking for. And so you're searching for it. You've looked and, and you haven't found it. And so you think maybe, maybe that church on Trafalgar with the sign that says the church for imperfect people has something. And so you're here and you're searching. Maybe. If you're in that headspace, I want you to consider what's going to be said today. And maybe, just maybe, there's something for you with a little bit of meaning and a little bit of something more in this crazy thing called life. Others are here. You, maybe you're here because you've been called by Jesus. There was a point in your life where your eyes were opened to a deeper reality of life. The fact that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the creator of the cosmos, called you to himself. And maybe you're here for that reason. That's why we said we made some pretty bold declarations in the songs that we sung. If those things are true, if they're actually true, how then should we be living? They're bold declarations. Some of us have forgotten our first love. If we've been called, I want you to remember when you were called. If you fell in love with Jesus, I want you to remember what were the circumstances? What was life like before? What was happening in you that created such a sense of longing and need that you were willing to commit your life to uh, Jesus Christ? And then as happened in the scriptures with those early followers and as happens so often now, that place of passion and that place of brokenness and that place of finding new life becomes every day, almost an old hat. We come and sing some of the same old songs and we shake the same old hands and we smile and we go through the motions of doing church when in reality we've been 
called by the King of kings and Lord of lords to participate in his life. That's what we sung about. Where were you when you were called? Have you forgotten your first love? Friends, I I want you to grab hold of that story of where you were. For every single person, it'll be so unique. And again, if you are in the midst of seeking, that's okay. This, even today, may be part of your journey, a part of your story. But think of those, those, those touchstone moments, those people in your lives, those situations in your lives that brought about a turning a reorientation of your life in order to follow Jesus. And I, I got to say, when we ground our uh, now, our present, in those moments, when we have them, they can serve as moments of joy and celebration in the good times, right? We can, they, they just add to the depth of meaning and vibrancy of life when we can remember those good moments. However, when life has been cracked and broken and we feel that we're broken and bloody lying on the on the pavement actually remembering back to those moments where we experienced the love of God in meaningful ways can serve as anchors that remind us that this is a moment and it will pass God is real and he's present and his love is all around us friends there was a moment where a fire was lit in you and a calling was given. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. And as we said, sometimes we lose that passion. We forget the nature of the call. There's a pastor, Joseph Stoll, and he has remarked that in many sectors of the church, we've we've become quite happy to call ourselves Christians with little or no thought of actually following, of actually following. Uh, Your pastor, Stuart, and I were just at our denominational gathering, the EMCC gathering, and they have uh, a, a, a program of discipleship called the Way of Jesus because they really want to see, we're part of a church family that truly desires to follow Jesus. If you do have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Mark 1. We're going to be hanging out there. If you don't have them, that's okay. We'll have the text up on the screen, but you can turn there. Mark 1, and uh, in verse 14, we have the, the narrator kind of describe a little bit. And it says, now after John was arrested, that John is John the Baptist, uh, the one who came, he was dressed like Elijah. He uh, wore camel skins and he, had, he ate locusts and wild honey and he created this disruption out in the desert and he had people come and see who is this wild man who's preaching and teaching and baptizing. And so John was arrested and Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. That term, repent, is that turning that we talked about. That turning from the path that you were headed in order to go a new direction and follow Jesus. So we have this introductory statement to our passage today where Jesus has arrived on the scene in the wake of John the Baptist, the crazy man who created disruption, and Jesus comes in to fill this void, and he says, repent and believe the gospel. 
turn from the path you're headed in order to turn onto this new path that is the kingdom of heaven. Then it, it continues in verse 16. I want you to try to picture this in your mind's eye. If there's anything in your history that brings up images, sights, sounds, smells that allow you to actually place yourself in this situation, I want you to try to do that. So passing along the Sea of Galilee, so think salty water, you think uh, the sounds of birds chirping, the wind blowing in, the, small, the smell of just the sea of fish. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he, this is Jesus, saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on a little further, he, Jesus, saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, who were in their boat. They were mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. The calling here, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. Follow me. That invites a turning and a reorientation to the person of Jesus. Now, it was an easier calling for uh, those fishermen. Easier in that they actually had the physical person of Jesus there in front of them that they could then put one foot in front of the other and they're walking on real ground following their rabbi. They could shake his hand. They could give him a hug. They could get a a kiss on the cheek. They could... Uh, actually touch him, see him, hear him. Their following was tangible. The calling is still real, friends. Jesus walked the earth and Jesus died, but Jesus was resurrected. Jesus is still alive and he's still invites us to follow him. But instead of actually tangibly seeing Jesus, physically following him, being able to smell the sweat as the sun beats down on him on a, an afternoon summer day near the Sea of Galilee, we actually have to read about what he teaches. We have to follow. But you know what else we have? We have the community of the saints who are his body. The church is the body of Christ. So part, when I asked you earlier, why are you here? Part of that is we return to be reminded of what Jesus has called us to, of what we've turned in order to follow and pursue, because we have other Jesus followers who are living their lives trying to pursue the teachings of Jesus. And we rub off on each other. We 
are able to point each other again at the compass point of the inbreaking kingdom of God and say, remember why you were called. Remember why you're here. Remember why we do this. Jesus says, follow me. Now, this idea of learning this calling of following Jesus truly is a daily decision. And we come on Sundays, and you guys meet on, what day, you guys gather on Thursdays for the meal? You gather on thir- Wednesday, is what? what? Thursdays you gather, there's a, there's a meal and there's time to gather, so you gather then. Uh, there's, there's other times to gather, but oftentimes we circle some big days where we gather for church programs. And those are all good, but those are all there to try to encourage you to live 24-7, 365 as a follower, as an entire life orientation to the one who is the king. He's inviting you to live life after him. So it's not just coming, showing up, singing a few songs, going through the motions like I described. When I say, why are you here? There's this fire inside that we get to, all we're doing is fueling that fire when we gather together as the saints. If you think of a wood stove and you can meet by it, you know, on a cold winter's night or in the middle of an ice storm, and you got to feed that fire with logs or else the fire is going to go out. One of the reasons we gather is to feed the fire inside of us. We sing, we encourage, we we teach. The whole purpose of the church is to build up the body of Christ. Part of that is building us up, that fire inside that drives us, that moves us. So we come and we hear and we sing and we talk and we pray and we hug and we shake hands and we look each other in the eye. We encourage each other. We challenge each other. We pull each other back to the orientation of following Jesus. This invitation of Jesus, Jesus wasn't inviting these fishermen to be saved. He was actually inviting them to follow the king a reorientation of their entire lives. This was a massive decision. This was a game-changing decision that changed the entire trajectory of their lives. We saw it evidenced in their actions. Immediately, they dropped their nets in order to follow Jesus. But do you notice, it's not just a big decision, but it's a big decision that that Jesus uh, adds a promise to. He says, I will make you to be fishers of men. So he said, follow me and I will make you. You see where the source of change and transformation is rooted. The the source of uh, the energy through which he's calling those fishermen to go about new activity. It wasn't about take uh, the only things you know and now go do that. Like he actually said, go be fishers of men. So he used a metaphor that the disciples understood. But as soon as instead of fish, they're like, we know how to catch fish. How do you expect us to catch humanity? How do we be fishers of, of, of men and women? What is that? That doesn't even make sense, Jesus. 
But Jesus says, I will make you. The source of the activity is gonna be Jesus. So Jesus invites them on a journey where they will discover what is this calling to be fishers of men. They're gonna hear Jesus teach and they're gonna see how he interacts with the world. And they're gonna see what he meant by it. But at first, they went into it with some uh, indecision. The, the reality in this is that there is a dynamic in following where we don't always know exactly what we're getting into, but we know it's worth it. We know it's worth it. And it's along the way that we start to see this unfolding reality of experiencing the life of God. And we fall in love even deeper. It's interesting. There, there's, there's dynamics in relationships. And there's the possibility that over a period of time in a marriage relationship, that the spark of love and romance can grow cold. And people go through the motions of love. And they go through the motions of being together. And that actually happens in our faith as well, where we can grow cold. And yet we know that the possibility of life together between a husband and a wife. Even the possibility of platonic friendships to be deep and meaningful and vibrant. We settle for far too much in our relationships with, our, with, with significant others in our lives and our relationships with our friends when there's so much more available to us. Same thing with God, friends. We settle far too easily we unf- we, as we are on this journey, there's the possibility that we fall more in love with God. One of the interesting things with, uh, and I've been married for 15 years, and, and Lindsay's an incredible person, but it hasn't always been uh, a bed of roses. Uh, you guys know that dynamic. Um, however, as we've continued to move through, every life change, every significant life change has allowed me to fall in love with her in a new way. Uh, when we got married, I loved who she was as an individual. I respected who she was as a daughter, how she loved her parents, and how she interacted with her siblings. I, I fell in love with who she was. And then in those first few years, I fell in love with who she was as my wife and how she uh, worked with me and interacted with me and how, how we built this new life together. And then I saw her in a career. She became a teacher, and I saw how she was as a teacher and how she loved her students and how she went about being committed and dedicated. Each switch, each transition, each each movement of life together turned who she was the whole time, but I saw it, I experienced it, and I fell in love with her more anew. And then she became a mom. And I saw what she was like caring for and loving these little ones. All the way through, I discovered more of who she was and I experienced more of, of this woman that I married. Our walk with Christ is similar. We turn and we follow and we're compelled by something and we don't fully understand. But as we go and as we continue to crack our hearts and as we continue to lean into who Jesus is and what he's doing in us and through us and around us, we fall more in love with the person he was the whole time. We just didn't experience it. So the, the, where this gets practical is 
you can be excited about following Jesus and maybe it's a new direction and maybe it's being saved and maybe it's experiencing new belonging, but then you experience maybe a tragedy in the family and maybe Jesus, you experience his presence in a new way and his peace in a new way. And you're like, wow, I never would have got through this without Christ. And there's a new experience of walking with Jesus, of following him, of being his disciple. Or maybe uh, there's a dynamic where uh, you have a new sense of wisdom because you're following Jesus. You see who you are as a human and you're able to speak wisdom into a friend's life where you're like, man, I don't know where that came from. It's got to be sourced in Jesus. But you see that Jesus is there for you in new ways as you go through life. Maybe you're falling in love with him more. It's a dynamic process of following Jesus. We're turning towards something. We're experiencing that something. Now, if you think about it for a second, why were these disciples called? Why did Jesus choose them? Fishermen. And please don't make any any mistakes here. Fishermen weren't the best of the best. They weren't elite. They were working through just trying to make a living each and every day. They got up, caught some fish, hopefully enough for their family, selling the extras to try to maybe make a little something. They weren't living large. They didn't stand out. Jesus just called them. And he said, I will make you. I will make you. Not because of what's inside of you. Not because of some uh, latent potential resting deep within. It's actually because of Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to give you my life. Jesus invites the disciples to walk with him and to journey with him as he shows them this in-breaking kingdom of God. And he says, you get to participate in what I'm doing in the world. Awesome. Awesome. That's directly applicable to us. Because I know that each of us, when we look in the mirror, we know our shortcomings. We know where we don't measure up. We know exactly those spaces where we can respond to the calling and say, me, even me, Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, because it's not about who you are, but about who I am and the life I'm inviting you into. And I'm going to give you my life. You get to show my love. You get to be motivated by my energy, by my vision. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, if it's true what we sang, and if it's true that he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and it's true that he's inviting us into his life, that is an honor. And that's something that can redefine our very being. Follow me because I will make you. We're not smart enough, clever enough, good enough, but it's Jesus that's forming us. It's Jesus that's making us. Friends, we can embrace a sense of expectation for what he has for us. Now, catch this. As individuals, but also for his church. Jesus is making us into fishers of men. Jesus is forming this into his body. You know what it requires? You can just lean in. You need to drop your nets. 
you to turn, you to follow. And then he's going to do something pretty incredible in your life as individuals. And the potential is for him to do something incredible here. Now, please note, that may not mean that you're going to pack this, this room out with hundreds of people. It may. But it may mean that this becomes a refuge for someone that has nowhere else to go to experience a life that they haven't found anywhere else. To experience a sense of meaning, to realize that they've been invited into the very life of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You may have the opportunity to share that with someone in a real life felt experience. Not because you guys are great, but because Jesus is in you doing something, knitting you together as a family, allowing you to be his body in the world. He's forming, he's making. All right. If you're still uh, struggling to, 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 to walk with me in this making thing, who is Jesus? Remember, he's the one. Catch this image. In John 1, 3 and 4, the gospel writer says, all things were made through Jesus, through the logos, through the, the word. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We've referenced that today was a sunny day. It was beautiful. The one who animates that is Jesus. The one who has formed and made the entire universe is Jesus. The creative genius behind original creation is the very same personal force that's behind forming you, making you into something. The force that made the universe is working on this church community. Think about that for a second. He's involved in our recreation. Now, who could have imagined all the beautiful things that Jesus brought out of chaos and into light? Think about it. Mountains. The splendor of it all. The giant mountains, a hummingbird. Ever just watched a hummingbird? There's a peace in all the frenetic activity as it stands still while flapping those wings so fast. Rainforests. There is life in the rainforest that even now with our technology and uh, our, our capacities as humanity that we have not discovered. Imagine that. There's a depth and a vibrancy and a life there that is only for God's glory. Why else is it there? Because God has invited those bugs and animals and uh, plants to flourish. Whales. You ever been on a whale tour and seen the majesty of a whale emerging out of the water, its tail coming up and slapping? Imagine the creativity of whales. Desert sunsets. Daily paintings of beauty that you can't stop but sit, jaw-dropping. I had an opportunity last summer to go on a, a pilgrimage with a couple other pastor friends, and we camped in Monument Valley, and we were kind of up on a hill, and uh, we woke up bright and early in order to see the sun rising with the giant mountains. It was one of the most uh, awe-inspiring moments of recent memory. 
underwater beauty packed full of life that, again, stuff in the oceans that we don't know about. They're simply to praise God. Simply to praise God. The creative genius that formed all this, that spoke it all into being, is forming, shaping, sculpting us into agents of his kingdom. Now, did Jesus call those disciples to be on the defensive? Did he call them to kind of sit back and worry about what's going on all around them? Did he call them to, uh, you know, a defensive stronghold of, you know, go behind big, thick castle walls or the big, thick walls that, that you don't interact with the world? He called them to be fishers of men. He called them to be on the offense. He called them to be active in the world, reflecting his life, his love, his goodness, his world to everybody that has opportunity to see them. Jesus says, I will make you. There is a creative process happening in each of us, drawing us, forming us, making us. Please catch this. If you felt dry recently, I encourage you to actually go through a headspace of inviting Jesus to reignite what's inside of you, to recreate you even this morning in his image and his likeness. He says, I will make you. And I'll... The formation is towards a kingdom focus. Again, it's not defense, it's offensive. Fishers of men. The activity is to turn and actually be actively engaged in others. It's not about us. It's a dynamic that sometimes gets lost in churches where we think that Jesus saved us for ourselves. Now, there's aspects of that. We get the blessing of belonging to a new family. We get the blessing of being made whole. We get the blessing of being recreated. We get the blessing of experiencing his love. But he didn't do all that just so that you could be whole in and of yourself. He did it to invite you into his family. He did it to invite you into something bigger than yourself. He did it to invite you into his very love and his very life. The divine dance within himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You get to participate with others, and then you get to invite a world who desperately needs more of God into the same process of experiencing the wonder and the depth and the beauty and the life that is found in God's very sense, sense, sense of self. I will make you into fishers of men. The activity is focused towards others. Now, friends, if the Bible's real, real, if God is real and he, he, he has allowed us to see some of his story in the scriptures, and if the songs that our uh, contemporary minstrels are penning in order for us to continue to worship and sing have any sense of truth in them, then this is some pretty big news. This is some pretty big news. It's actually worth all of us. That breath in your lungs. That creativity inside of you, that drive to do something in the world. Now, you can invest all of that into making a buck. 
Or you can say, man, I've been called and I've been gifted and God's placed stuff in me to be a part of this in-breaking kingdom of God. And it's worth all of us. King of kings, Lord of lords. All of us may have a hero out there, a famous person that we value, that maybe we would drop everything. And our loved ones, our spouses, our kids, everyone, they're like, but it's Justin Bieber. He's in town and he wants to hang out with us. Obviously, I have to go. And our, our loved ones would say, okay, it's Justin Bieber. You go hang out. Whoever it is for you, it's probably not Justin Bieber. But think of that person. They're like, man, this person is awesome. And everyone who knows me knows that I just really, really love them. I'm a big fan. And they want to hang out with me. We would do anything, right? We would do so much just to go. I was a part of, uh, there's this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. And so I was in this business conference. And there were people that flew from Europe just to be in a room where he was speaking. We were in a room of 3,000 people. And they flew to just be in a room with him. Because he's an entrepreneur. And he motivates. And he is kind of trying to give them some direction in their business life. And I was just like, I don't understand how this guy can stir up so much passion. When we get to follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And sometimes we hit snooze when the saints are gathering in order to worship and learn. This place where we come, not because we gotta, but we get to in order to reorient some of our thinking, in order to reorient some of our attitudes, in order to reorient some of our life to the, the one who is life. We get to. We get to. And we get to give all of ourselves all of ourselves. Friends, if I wasn't willing to lay myself out here and pour myself out for this, then you guys should tell me to close up shop, shut the Bible, you don't want to hear it. Because if what I'm saying isn't worth all of myself, isn't worth me actually laying it on the line, then what am I doing? Tell me to get out, you don't want to hear it. This is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that invites us to follow him, that invites us to be a part of his work in the world. The Bible's real. If there is a God, if the songs that we proclaimed are real, then this is big news. And it involves all of us. Now, in you know, Pastor Paul in 2 Corinthians, he uh, said these lines. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, so if you've chosen to follow Jesus, and he's made you new. He says, the new creation has come. So there's this dynamic of you being changed on the inside. And there's this possibility of new attitudes and new values and a new sense of self. The old has gone. The new is here. And even here again, Paul gets what Jesus says. Jesus says, I will make you. And Paul says, all this is from God. Again, it's not in you. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are a part of what Jesus is doing in the world. We are a part. When Jesus says, follow me, to those fishermen, he's saying it to us. That, that, that call ripples over to us 2,000 years later. 
and we get to be a part of his ministry of reconciliation in the world, working as his ambassadors. Now, uh, this, there's, there's a line that says, no one cares about what you know until they know that you care. So we have this dynamic of having this new life. We've experienced it. Remember where you were, where you were when you were called. Remember the conditions of that. You know something about God. You know something about life. You know something about this, this calling, and you've showed up. So in some respects, again, you're here for a reason. There's something in you that you get to share. We get to share it. In order to communicate that in a way that people are going to be able to understand and hear, you're going to have to let them know that you actually care for them and what you have to share isn't a self-serving agenda. It's actually for them. All too often, gospel presentations end up sounding self-serving. It's about building uh, a bigger church or bigger numbers. It's about reports where you get to write how many people you baptized. And there's these manipulative methods. But this is actually an invitation to life that is really life. This is for the other person. So we should be doing everything we can to let them know that they're loved and that they're cared for and, and communicate in a way that people can hear. So the question is, are we accurately representing the king we claim to serve, the king we sing about, the king we claim to follow? There's a nature to this following. Uh, in church world, there's the word discipleship. And uh, it's kind of a word that gets lost on us in uh, 2018 to an extent. But that dynamic of there's a reason why those fishermen actually dropped their nets and left their families in order to follow this guy that said, why don't you follow me? Because it was within a system of rabbis and their disciples, those that left life to follow the rabbi. And there was this dynamic of listening to his teaching, watching his way of life. And they did it in order to become like the rabbi. And so if you had uh, disciples of a particular rabbi, how they viewed the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and how they viewed life and how they talked about things would be in the same vein in the same sort of way, the same perspective, the, using the same lens as the rabbi they followed. So if you were, a, 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 again, a disciple of, of, of Rabbi Frank, people would say, oh, you sound like Rabbi Frank. Oh, you look like Rabbi Frank. You know, you, you see the world like Rabbi Frank. However, Rabbi Pete over here, his disciples People would say, oh, you're, you're a disciple of Rabbi Pete because you talk like Rabbi Pete and you look like Rabbi Pete and you sound like Rabbi Pete. This dynamic of being a disciple actually involved this, where people lost their own sense of self and took on the identity of the rabbi. This is part of the calling where we get to lose a sense of ourself in order to gain more of Jesus. This is why Paul says, I must decrease, you must increase. Modern sensibilities hears this and says, well, what do you mean? I, I lose myself and in order to, to gain Christ. The reality, though, friends, is that you find who you were really made to be in Christ. 
So there's this dynamic of in the brokenness, in laying yourself down, you actually find a reality of, of yourself that you cannot find anywhere else. That dynamic of I still haven't found what I'm looking for is actually found in Christ. You can keep searching, and it will end up with a whole lot more longing. You can keep trying to be more of yourself and pursue more of your way, but when you lay yourself down for the way of Christ, there's a depth and a meaning and a vibrancy and a life that is really life that is only found in that space. So the nature of discipleship is we get to follow the rabbi. Our lives get to look like Jesus, sound like Jesus. And if it doesn't, we're not actually his disciples. Think about that for a second. There's a lot out there that comes across as Christianity. It's not Jesus. There's a lot of anger, a lot of rage, a lot of pushing people away, a lot of creating barriers. And it's for, they think they're doing good things. It may be in the name of religion. It's not in the name of the way of Jesus. And as we pursue, as we follow, as we learn the, the rhythms of Jesus, we start to see this. Again, this, as we continue to lean in and follow this Jesus, it's an unfolding reality of what it means in a depth and a vibrancy. And maybe it just means that people that are in this place of pursuing religion are actually immature believers. And they haven't actually followed their rabbi in the same way that he's invited them to follow. They've accepted that relationship that I referenced earlier, a mediocrity. Friends, within this idea of discipleship, of following Jesus, there is an urgency to it. Do you notice, did you catch the word immediately? Immediately they dropped their nets, right? Immediately. Immediately they left their families in order to follow. There was an urgency to it. And that urgency, in responding to that urgency, we see the cost of following Jesus. Right? We see that Peter and Andrew left their nets. Now, uh, again, this uh, suggests that they left their present job. They laid their nets down. That was their, their means of making a living. And then we see that James and John, again, they uh, respond without hesitation to leave their father. And it suggests that following Jesus actually takes precedence over even our immediate family. And yet, again, as husbands and wives and parents and sisters and mothers and grandmothers, all of that, we find ourselves in the midst of following Jesus. But we have to be willing to lose it all. That's why Jesus uses his hyperbole all the time. You know, who are my mother and brothers? Who are my, my family? the family of God that he references, those that are around him. As you see, James and John, some scholars actually point to this reference that they left also the hired men. Did you catch that? They left their father and also the hired men. That potentially they also left wealth. And that's nothing other than to say it actually ups some of the game, some of the difficulties, some of the restraints of, of actually, you know, they're going to leave. 
They're part of maybe a fishing empire where they were able to hire more boats and more nets and have more people a part of it. And they were able to turn their backs on that in order to follow the rabbi, in order to pursue his types of life. It ups the ante to see the cost. This idea of following, friends, uh, is used in the, in the Gospels to describe attachment to the person of Jesus. The idea of being personally surrendered to his call and then to accept his leadership. There's a, an urgency to it and there's a cost to it. The details of following Jesus do not play out the same for everyone. For some of us, we've been on this journey for a long time. We've had highs and we've had lows. For some of us, we're brand new and we're pretty excited about it. For some, it actually calls some, for some tangible changes. You know, my, my brother's married, and he's living in Pekanjikum, First Nations Reserve in northern Ontario, where life is crazy. He feels that God called him there. He feels that following Jesus has led him to Pekanjikum. I'm not in Pekanjikum. It, it results in different things. But as you choose to follow as an individual, it may mean something new for you. You'll, you'll hear the voice of Jesus calling you. Maybe it means new friends. Maybe it needs, means new rhythms of belonging. Maybe it means being in new neighborhoods. And as a church, as you bend your ear to the voice of the Spirit, beckoning you forward to follow, there may be new course trajectory changes for you as a community. Who you are becoming isn't the same as who you are today. And who you are today wasn't who you were when you were founded. Jesus is calling you forward. Will you follow? Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Friends, where were you when you first heard that call? Are you living it? Gracious Father, we thank you for how you have created the world with beauty, vibrancy, with life. You've called us, and there is an honor to the calling. There is uh, so much meaning and significance to being called, and I just pray, Father, that we would step into that, that we'd embrace that invitation, that like the disciples, we'd drop our nets, we would reorient our entire way of being in order to follow you. And may we find you in the midst of that. May we find the one who is uh, the way to real life, the truth and the life. This uh, sense of being in the world that we can uh, just rest easy. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Hey, I gotta say, thanks for joining us for this bonus episode of the Two Minute Wake Up Podcast. If you ever want to reach out, just jump on the DM on social. Touch base. Love to chat with you. My name is John and I hope that our time together helps you wake up to who you were created to be.